What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to True North Talk. This is episode 20, I believe. Am I correct on that, Peter? Okay, 20. I always forget the episode number we're on when we do these shows. Uh, probably should have the RSS pulled up uh, when we're starting these. But anyways, this episode is going to be the second part of our um, our series that we want to do on our names, kind of. And if you listen to the last episode, you probably uh, would realize that the podcast kind of took a turn from the story of Peter himself to more like applicable yeah, I lessons definitely, that we learned from exactly, Peter. Exactly. Yeah, I definitely I'm agree not, with I that. Mean, would you agree Obviously with that? it was rooted in scriptures that that Peter wrote, but obviously those are, you know, God breathed anyways, inspired by God. So I think I think it was a really, really good conversation. I, I really enjoyed the last podcast. Right. Hmm. Yeah, it was my it was my favorite one to this point. I would yep. highly suggest everybody listen to the last episode. It's really good, episode nineteen. But in today's episode, we're gonna focus on Joseph, story of Joseph in Genesis. Um, as you all know, my name is Joseph, so of course we're gonna talk about Joseph. But there's a lot in the story of Joseph that I had to narrow down the focus of this episode today. If you go ahead and read through Genesis, you'll see um, just the length of the story and how much there really is to the story. It's really hard to narrow down, so we're going to focus this episode on the lessons of forgiveness and and humility that we can learn from from Joseph. So to start us off, we'll just go ahead and get right into it, Peter, if you want to go ahead and read um, Genesis 37. Genesis chapter 37, starting in verse 1. Jacob lived in the land of his father's sojournings in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was pasturing the flock with his brothers. He was a boy with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report. Exactly, yeah. That's going to be the name of of one of my first kids is one of those names, right? (laughs) (laughs) No, that's okay. Those are are good names to to shout out. (laughs) Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Yeah, I'm probably not even saying those right, but that's shout out Bill shout out Zilpa. So. But anyway, so Joseph was pastoring. You can you can keep going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead and resume, bro. <laughs> so Joseph was was pastoring, and then Joseph brought a bad report to them, of them to their father. Now Israel, the, Israel's in their name for Jacob. Just a little bit of background. So we've already in verse one said Jacob, but if it's Israel, that's the the same person. Just for future reference. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all of his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. Now Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, Hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brothers said to him, Are you indeed to reign over us, or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, and eleven stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in his mind. Okay, so actually, I'm going to go ahead and stop you right there just because we need to break this up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but just based on that passage there, what do you think about that dream he had? And do you think it was wrong for him to tell it to his brothers and Jacob? I don't think so. I, my my opinion on this has always been maybe the way he told it to them was a little bit in a boastful way, but it's kind of hard to know because we're, we weren't there to see how he told them. Um but I don't I don't right. think he was in the wrong to, to tell him that. Whenever you have a vision or, you know, a dream or if you just feel a prompting of the Holy Spirit that you feel truly is the Holy Spirit, you and you feel prompted to share it, then you should probably share it. If you hold that hold that in, then you're probably missing out on something that 
that God has planned for you. So, or a message that he wants you to, to spread to others. So I think, yeah, in this case, you know, maybe the delivery, but even still, there's no real way to know how he delivered it. Um, I think, no, he was not in the wrong to share it. And if you look at verse 11, it says, and his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. So even though Jacob rebuked Joseph for sharing the dream at first, he he also saw that there was obviously some meaning in mm-hmm. there. Um, and my, my study Bible says uh, about verse 11, unlike the brothers who immediately rejected any meaning to Joseph's words, yet still allowed the dream to sorely irritate them, the father, Jacob, notwithstanding his public ad- admonishment of Joseph, continued to ponder the meaning of the dream. So his dad knew that while it sound, it may sound a little bit boastful, like you're saying, there's probably some meaning to this dream because Joseph was, and we'll learn this later on, but he was favored um, by God in, in many ways. Right. So actually, I know we were planning on you reading the whole thing of 37, but I think we should split this up because I'm just looking at this massive amount of text here. So. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and grab twelve through twenty four, and then you can just get the rest. Sounds good. Sound yep. good. All right. So Genesis thirty seven verse twelve. Now his brothers went to pasture their father's flock near Shechem, and Israel said to Joseph, "Are not your brothers pasturing the flock at Shechem? Come, I will send you to them." And he said to him, "Here I am." So he said to him, "Go now, see if it is well with your brothers and with the flock, and bring me bring me word." So he sent him from the valley of Hebron, and he came to Shechem, and a man found him wandering in the fields. The man asked him, What are you seeking? I am seeking my brothers, he said. Tell me, please, where are they pasturing the flock? And the man said, They have gone away, for I heard them say, Let us go to, is it Dothan? Is that how you say that? So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. Almost like Gotham. They saw him from afar. Yeah, Gotham City, right? (laughs) It would be just about right, I mean, considering... My love for Batman. Right. Anyways, so he found <clears throat> he saw his brothers at Dothan. They saw him from afar, and before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. They said to one another, Here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him, and we will see what will become of his dreams. That's, wow. <laughs> but when Reuben heard it, he rescued him out of their hands, saying, Let us not take his life. And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, but do not lay a hand on him, that he might rescue him out of their hand to restore him to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore, and they took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty, and there was no water in it. I'll just go ahead and get uh, 25 through 28. Then they sat down to eat, and looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead, with their camels bearing gum, balm, and myrrh on their way to carry it down to Egypt. Then Judah said to his brothers, What profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers listened to him. Then Midianite traders passed by, and they drew Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for twenty shekels of silver. They took Joseph to Egypt. So... There's a lot um, in that section of text there. Joseph, uh, you know, went from looking for his brothers. His brothers found him. They were going to kill him. And then Reuben said, no, we're not going to kill him. We're going to throw him in a pit. Mm-hmm. And then the Midianite traders ended up taking him out of there and selling him to Egypt. So why do you think um, that they did what they did? Why do you think Joseph's brothers did what they did? It's certainly no excuse for why they did what they did, but just reasoning-wise the favoritism that was shown to Joseph was something that, I mean, just looking back to verses one through 10, first of all, he was favored and giving this robe of many colors. And then he had these dreams where he was above them, which obviously, and him being the second youngest of, of the sons, uh, Benjamin being, being the youngest, you know, that's against conventional logic and against what, they as the older brothers would want to have happen. And so it was definitely this, this jealousy that arose in, in his brothers. And I mean, I'm sure there maybe were things that are, are left unsaid about the, the favoritism that Joseph received, but I mean, that's, that's certainly why 
his brothers would have hated him and to to hate him to the to the point of killing him there must have been some pretty pretty intense favoritism and maybe even a little bit of uh peacocking by by Joseph but still it's it's certainly no excuse it's just the the reasoning that's presented all right i mean it's jealousy it's um they said what they say come take this dreamer and throw him into mm-hmm. the pit like they're referring to their brother like he's some sort of you know scum of the earth type thing right. which i mean I'm, I'm sure it was easy to feel like that you know if your dad if their dad had favored him you know his entire life and he's having dreams saying oh you're gonna bow down mm-hmm. to me one day um interesting side piece uh the 20 shekels of silver he was sold for i kind of looked into that it's that's the average price of a slave at that time mm-hmm. so he was basically sold into slavery you know for the average price of a slave their own brother funny enough we'll find out later what Right, we'll end up what finding out what happened um, later on, but actually, let's go ahead and skip before skip ahead to Genesis forty-two. The last section of thirty-seven here is essentially um, his robe being taken back. They dipped his robe in some blood, and and Jacob was given his robe, and Jacob believed that Joseph had died. Right. So let's go ahead and skip ahead to um, Genesis forty-two, and you can start reading that. Yeah, and just real quickly, I, I just want to touch on this real quickly because I know it's not one of the themes that we are going to talk about in this one, but I think it's something we can maybe save for another podcast. Um, and that's it. verse 36 of verse 37 says, meanwhile, the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard. And there's, if, if you're familiar with the, the story of Joseph, you'll know the story. If not, I would strongly encourage you to, as, as a listener to read Genesis 38 to 41 um, to find out about what Joseph, what happened to Joseph while he was in Egypt, how he went from being a slave to being a basically right-hand man to, to Potiphar, second in line, second in line yeah. and then eventually second in line to Pharaoh. And then, you know, there's a story in there about temptation with, with Potiphar's wife that I think could be an entire podcast about just temptation um, and how Joseph um, avoided that. And then after being in prison and having more dreams, you know, kind of Genesis 37 sets the stage for Joseph's dreams. He had more dreams and was restored um, because he foresaw the the famine, which we'll get into in these in these chapters. So I just I think it's important because this is such an important story in the Bible to also provide the full story, obviously not fully in depth, but I thought it was worth going in, you know, just a minute or two here to talk about the rest of Joseph's story. And like I said, um, if you're listening to this podcast, I'd strongly encourage you um, to may- maybe pause before we get into verses or chapters 42 through 43, so you can kind of have it chronologically uh, and give give chapters 38 and 41 a read. Or if you want to, you know, give it a read after listening to the podcast, whatever works better for you. I think it's certainly worth it just to better understand the story. Yeah, just uh, a little bit extra of extra context. Like Peter was saying, you know, there's there's stories of temptation in there. There's stories of overcoming um, adversity mm-hmm. with Joseph's rise to power. Uh, but also Joseph was an interpreter of dreams in Egypt, right. and, and Pharaoh relied on him to interpret dreams. Mm-hmm. So not only does he interpret dreams, but, you know, his dreams were significant in the form of prophecy, and you'll see that in these coming chapters yep. and stories. But, yeah, I would definitely, like you were saying, encourage others to go ahead and take a look at those in-between chapters. Um, it's not consequential to really, I mean, I guess it's all consequential in the bigger picture, but not necessarily for the lessons that we're talking about. Today, exactly. Is, um, for forgiveness and humility. Right. So um, I'll go ahead and preface 42. The last verse, 56 of chapter 41 says, so when the famine had spread all over the land, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians for the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. Moreover, all the earth came to Egypt to Joseph to buy grain because the famine was so severe over all the mm-hmm. earth. So some context, Joseph was one, the one in the position of power to, um, to give out food yep. to those who are seeking it during this famine. So the, the state of Egypt had accumulated a lot of grain. They stored up and pre- prepared for this famine that they, that, you know, was coming. And Joseph was the one who had the control over the food supply. Right. So that is some very important yeah. context going into 42, but, yeah, and at, and at this stage, Egypt mm-hmm. was kind of the premier world power. So he was, you know, second in command, almost almost on an equal footing, really, with Pharaoh 
Um, so it's just kind of like you said, a story of. I mean, Pharaoh basically saw him almost as his exactly. equal a lot of times. I mean, he trusted him so much right. that you would probably argue he maybe he was yeah dang near equal with him. So exactly. So yeah, I think that's. Do you want to go ahead and get forty two? Yep. Yeah, I think that was that was a good idea to provide that extra context, though. It definitely helps understand this a little bit better. Um, so starting in verse one of chapter forty two. When Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, Why do you just keep looking at each other? He continued, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us, so that we may live and not die. Then ten of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt. But Jacob did not send, send Benjamin, Joseph's brother, with the others, because he was afraid that harm might come to him. So Israel's sons were among those who went to buy grain, for there was famine in the land of Canaan also. Now Joseph was the governor of the land, the person who sold grain to all its people. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. As soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. Where do you come from? he asked. From the land of Canaan, they replied, to buy food. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. Then he remembered his dreams about them and said to them, you are spies. You have come to see where our land is unprotected. No, my lord, they answered. Your servants have come to buy food. We are all the sons of one man. Your servants are honest men, not spies. No, he said to them. You have come to see where our land is unprotected. But they replied, Your servants were twelve brothers, the sons of one man, who lives in the land of Canaan. The youngest is now with our father, and one is no more. Joseph said to them, it is just as I have told you, you are spies, and this is how you will be tested. As surely as Pharaoh lives, you will not leave this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Send one of your number to get your brother. The rest of you will be kept in prison, so that your words may be tested to see if you are telling the truth. If you are not, then as surely as Pharaoh lives, you are spies. And he put them all in custody for three days. On the third day, Joseph said to them, do this and you will live, for I fear God. If you are honest men, let one of your brothers stay here in prison, while the rest of you go and take grain back for your starving households. But you must bring your youngest brother to me, so that your words may be verified and that you may not die. This they proceeded to do. They said to one another, Surely we are being punished because of our brother. We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded with us for his life, but we would not listen. That's why this distress has come on us. Reuben replied, Didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy? But you wouldn't listen. Now we must give an accounting for his blood. They did not realize that Joseph could understand them since he was using an interpreter. He turned away from them and began to weep, but then came back and spoke to them again. He had Simeon taken away from them and bound before their eyes. Joseph gave orders to fill their bags with grain, to put each man's silver back in his sack, and to give them provisions for their journey. After this was done for them, they loaded their grain on their donkeys and left. At hey, 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 let's, I want to stop you right there, cool. actually. So, um, sorry for the abrupt, the abrupt interruption, but this is very important. So, um, something that really stood out to me in that passage was uh, chapter 42, verse 21, and when it's talking about the distress of his soul, um, I was reading a commentary on that and I just can't imagine, you know, as much as his brothers were jealous of him, as much as they probably didn't like him that much at times, they're still his brothers. Mm -hmm. And that image of, you know, a, a teenager being dragged away and pleading and, you know, the terror filled voice of, of Joseph probably. And that image is very, very powerful because it's, I don't think oftentimes we think about that when we read the story, but like, that actually happened like he was a real person and I just can't imagine being in his shoes you know with his brothers doing that to him like literally selling him into slavery and he all and, and also like the the terribleness of the thought of the fact that your dad th like is going to thank you that you died and there's mm -hmm. nothing you can do to like tell him you're alive like, to that point, like, Joseph had no idea he'd be able to ever see his dad ever again, and his dad is going to think he died. Right. Like, that is just a terrible, terrible thought. Yeah, heart-wrenching, really. Um, And it, heart-wrenching, and then, you know, verse 24, 
you know, it's very understandable. He turned away from them and started to cry, mm-hmm. like weep, which is a deep, deep cry. And that just really, really touches me because I feel like um, it just reminds me of like betrayal in our lives. Like I feel like uh, there's some times where we experience that and like it's not many times that you get to, you know, somebody betrays you and then like you're presented with the opportunity to like show them mercy. mercy. Um, and that's just like a very, very powerful image right there i don't want to just you know sweep over that so did you have any other thoughts to add to that i just i think it's interesting if not i can pick back up in the reading just real quick i think it's kind of interesting the way that he was kind of fake accusing his brothers is kind of that that must have felt a little bit good for him though obviously as we'll see he and you know he forgives them but in that moment you know it had to feel kind of sweet to just kind of be like you know look where i am now i mean yeah there's there's a there's a degree of like i don't want to say vengeance Mm -hmm. but like um i guess maybe revenge Mm -hmm. i don't know if that's the correct word justice i think that was justice yeah um i think it was probably unnecessary to do Mm -hmm. that i'm not even sure that that was wrong or sinful i feel like it probably could be a little bit prideful yeah but i mean like I said, with those images of Joseph being sold into slavery, can you really blame him? For, <laughs> I mean, all things considered, that's pretty merciful to still have that be the worst of what happens. Yeah, I don't want to spoil the rest of the chapter, but I mean, would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, and and I and I wasn't saying that to yeah. be like he should should have done this necessarily because I'm kind of with you. Probably was a little prideful and kind of in the wrong, but you know, after what happened to him, it's I think it kind of it paints a picture of just what how like like you said how really tragic and dramatic and you know just life-changing that that moment was when his brothers his brothers sold him yeah talk about ptsd right. people talk about ptsd these days like throw it around like it's right. nothing like imagine going through what he went through um and just not only his brothers selling him into slavery but the challenge that he went through in egypt too like because we didn't read over that in this podcast but if you read that story that's really, really difficult for him yep. too. Like what he overcame in Egypt too. So, just an incredible story of of overcoming adversity. Mm-hmm. But um, I'll go ahead and pick up verse twenty six, and I think I'll just take it through to forty three. Okay. So, verse twenty six. Then they loaded their donkeys with their grain and departed. And as one of them opened his sack to give to his donkey fodder at the lodging place, he saw his money in the mouth of a sack. He said to his brothers, "My money has been put back." Here it is in the mouth of my sack. At this, their hearts failed them, and they turned, trembling to one another, saying, What is this that God has done to us? When they came to Jacob, their father, in the land of Canaan, they told him all that had happened to them, saying, The man, the man, the Lord of the land, spoke roughly to us and took us to be spies of the land. But we said to him, We are honest men. We have never been spies. We are twelve brothers, sons of our father. One is no more, and the youngest is this day with our father in the land of Canaan. Then the man, the Lord of the land, said to us, By this I shall know that you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers with me, and take grain for the famine of your households, and go your way. Bring your youngest brother to me. Then I shall know that you are not spies, but honest men, and I will deliver your brothers to you, your brother to you, and you shall trade in the land. As they emptied their sacks, behold, every man's bundle of money was in his sack. And when they and their father saw their bundles of money, they were afraid. And Jacob their father said to them, you have bereaved me of my children. Joseph is no more, and Simeon is no more, and now you would take Benjamin. All this has come against me. Then Reuben said to his father, Kill my two sons if I do not bring him back to you, referring to Benjamin. Put him in my hands, and I will bring him back to you. But he said, My son shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead, and he is the only one left. If harm should happen to him on the journey that you are to make, you would bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to Sheol. Oof, hmm. that's pretty rough. Yeah. It just kind of makes me think of... So clearly Jacob that, doesn't want J- Benjamin leaving. Right. One thing of all that, that Jacob's been through, too, it, he, like he says in verse 36, you know, you have deprived me of my children. Joseph is no more, and Simeon is no more, and now he wants to take Benjamin. Everything is against me. That's... As, you know, obviously neither of us are, are fathers yet, but just if you can imagine imagine that happening, you think you're... You know, it's it's never right to have a favorite son, but your favorite son you think is dead, and then 
if Simeon's not, I think Simeon might be the second oldest, or maybe he is the oldest. Either him or Reuben, I think, of of Jacob's son. So you you lose your your favorite son, and then one of the oldest, and then also the youngest. That's pretty heart wrenching. Like we you know you use a word we already used. It's hard to imagine. It just like you know, it really humanizes the story. Mm-hmm. Um, you could tell Jacob's you know a family man. He cares about his sons obviously a lot. Right. And. It's funny because I think birth order, my dad and I were talking about like the birth order stereotypes and like the big brother, little brother thing. Mm-hmm. I see that in this story too. Mm-hmm. Like I can totally relate to some of these, um, what's the right word for attitudes toward Joseph from his bigger brothers. Like it's literally, <laughs> I've experienced that in my life. Yeah. Uh, some of these, some of these attitudes, I'm not saying anywhere near what they did, but you know, just the, the attitudes and the stereotypes. I think it's pretty funny. Yeah. It, you know. From Genesis to twenty twenty two, right? And but, as um, an older brother, I can, I can, yeah, I could definitely see those connections too. Right. So, do you want to go ahead and pick up in forty three? Yeah. So, chapter forty three, starting in verse one. Now the famine was still severe in the land. So, when they had eaten all the grain they had brought from Egypt, their father said to them, "Go back and buy us a little more food." But Judah said to him, "The man warned warned us solemnly." You will not see my face again unless your brother is with you. If you will send our brother along with us, we will go down and buy food for you. But if you will not send him, we will not go down, because the man said to us, You will not see my face again unless your brother is with you. Israel asked, Why did you bring this trouble on me by telling the man you had another brother? They replied, The man questioned us closely about ourselves and our family. Is your father still living? He asked us. Do you have another brother? We simply answered his questions. How were we to know he would say, bring your brother back down here? Then Judah said to Israel, his father, send the boy along with me and we will go at once so that we and you and our children may live and not die. I myself will guarantee his safety. You can hold me personally responsible for him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him here before you, I will bear the blame before you all my life. As it is, if we had not delayed, we could have gone and returned twice. I, I want to take a pause real quick because I think this is a, a, a cool moment to kind of highlight. And it's that kind of re- redemption and, and repentance really by Judah and this kind of responsibility for what has what what he had done previously to Joseph. In this, you know, he's he's saying, I, I guarantee his safety, and if, if that doesn't happen, you, you hold me responsible. It's almost like he's kind of at the same time saying, like, I was responsible for what happened to Joseph. So I just I thought that's something quick to, to observe. you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I mean, I would, I would disagree with what you said. It's a, a moment for redemption, and I think um, it's, it's very understandable to understand the understandable to understand. <laughs> It's very understandable for Jacob to be hesitant to allow Benjamin to go. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, I should have done research on this specific aspect of it, but I'm curious how old Benjamin was in this story here. Do you know about that? I'm not sure. I've always kind of pictured him being like, at th- at this point, probably like a teenager, maybe maybe a young adult at this point. Because I think I think at this point, like all the older brothers have like, their own families and everything because it well i don't want to spoil the story but i you know i i do know based on what we might read later in this passage that they had family of families of their own as well so i've always pictured benjamin being like you know somewhere between like 16 to maybe 20 yeah i'm actually that's what i was picturing too i was picturing like 15 Mm -hmm. um just a quick search here though it says since Joseph was 17 when he was sold into slavery and 39 when they came to him in Egypt, this would make Benjamin 32 to 35 years old when they went into Egypt. Oh, wow. So I guess he was a little bit older than yeah. than we were picturing. Yeah. But and that might that's not yeah, exact I why. either. I, I but pictured like 15 years old. <laughs> yeah. Just high, like high school age, right. but I guess not. Yeah, and, and that might be not exactly right, that, that 30, in the 30s, but it's probably closer to that than what we were thinking. Yeah. So, do you want to pick up an eleven, or do you want me to read a little bit, and then we can go back? to I can it? pick up. Just feel free to to stop me if you if you notice anything, or I might again. But 
So, chapter 43. Yeah, do you want to go to uh, about 26, and I'll pick up from 26? So, Genesis 43, picking back up in verse 11. Then their father Israel said to them, If it must be, then do this. Put some of the best products of the land in your bags, and take them down to the man as a gift, a little balm and a little honey, some spices and myrrh, some pistachio nuts and almonds. Take double the amount of silver with you, for you must return the silver that was put back into the mouths of your sacks. Perhaps it was a mistake. Take your brother also and go back to the man at once. And may God Almighty grant you mercy before the man so that he will let your other brother and Benjamin come back with you. As for me, if I am bereaved, I am bereaved. So the men took the gifts and doubled the amount of silver and Benjamin also. They hurried down to Egypt and presented themselves to Joseph. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of his house, Take these men to my house, slaughter an animal, and prepare a meal. They are to eat with me at noon. The man did as Joseph told him and took the men to Joseph's house. Now the men were frightened when they were taken to his house. They thought, We were brought here because of the silver that was put back into our sacks the first time. He wants to attack us and overpower us and seize us as slaves and take our donkeys. So they went up to Joseph's steward and spoke to him at the entrance of the house. We beg your pardon, our Lord, they said. We came down here the first time to buy food, but at the place where we stopped for the night, we opened our sacks, and each of us found his silver, this exact weight, in the mouth of his sack. So we have brought it back with us. We have also brought additional silver with us to buy food. We don't know who put the silver in our sacks. It's all right, he said. Don't be afraid. Your God, the God of your father, has given you treasure in your sacks. I received your silver. Then he brought Simeon out to them. The stewards took the men into Joseph's house, gave them water to wash their feet, and provided fodder for their donkeys. They prepared their gifts for Joseph's arrival at noon, because they had heard that they were to eat there. So right there, I mean, you're, we're, we're already starting to see the main topic of, of this podcast, uh, one of the lessons learned here, but we're already starting to see shades of humility mm-hmm. um, in Joseph's humility in the story. So, uh, I mean, what do you... What were your thoughts on that, uh, the first piece there of, like, the silver? Because I was picking up on it about halfway through that passage. Um, you know, the fact that they left and they had silver in their sacks when they thought they had paid for their food, essentially. Right. And Joseph kind of just slipped it back in there, like, nope, you're going to keep your money. Do you think that's, I mean, I thought that was pretty yeah. cool for him to yeah, do Yeah, I that. mean, it would have obviously been, it would have been devious of him to to do this but he easily could have been like you stole from me and he could have he could have you know like like they were concerned the brothers were concerned about happening he could have attacked them and overpowered them and seized them as seized them as slaves um which i think is just you know kind of interesting that that's the word they use because that's what they did to joseph is make him a slave so just very very interesting word choice there um and also yeah, also verse 23, there, keep in mind they were talking with Joseph's steward. This was not Joseph talking. And the, the steward said, peace, peace to you, do not be afraid. Your God and the God of your father has put treasure in your sacks for you. So that indicates that Joseph and his steward must have had somewhat of a close relationship or that his steward was aware of Joseph's faith. Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was pretty cool too. And he likely, likelihood is that his, his steward was saved as yeah. well. Potentially, oh, just like a, a small, or actually not, small not just potentially there. likely because of uh, Joseph's witnessing and or in his example, you know, which gives you a, you know gives you a little bit of insight into Joseph's mm-hmm. faith. Like he he obviously took it pretty serious. If even after even all after all that yeah. happened to him too. Right, right. So starting picking back up in forty three twenty six, when Joseph came home, they brought into the house to him the present that they had with him. And bowed down to him to the ground. And he inquired about their welfare and said, Is your father well, the old man of whom you speak? Is he still alive? They said, Your servant, our father, is well. He is still alive. And they bowed their heads and prostrated themselves. And he lifted up his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and said, Is this your youngest brother of whom you spoke to me? God be gracious to you, my son. Then Joseph hurried out, for his compassion grew warm for his brother, and he sought a place to weep. And he entered his chamber and wept there. Then he washed his face and came out, and controlling himself, he said, serve the food. Interesting note there, controlling himself. He's probably on the verge of tears right. here. Um, in his 32, they served him by himself and then by themselves. And the Egyptians who ate with 
with him by themselves, because the Egyptians could not eat with the Hebrews, for that is an abomination to the Egyptians. And they sat before him, the firstborn, according to his birthright, and the youngest, according to his youth. And the men looked at one another in amazement. Portions were taken to them from Joseph's table, but Benjamin's portion was five times as much as any of theirs. And they drank and were merry with him. So the, the picture of this setting kind of goes from his brothers being fearful as they approached, you know, the door of Joseph's palace or wherever Joseph was located, his room, they called it. Um, it kind of goes from that picture of fear to like almost like a celebration here at the end. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. I think it's also interesting, though, Which, that Joseph still hasn't revealed who he is yet to them. Right? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, he still has not revealed himself to them. I think that is obviously intentional. Hmm. Um, I'm not sure, and, and maybe we should dive into 44 and 45 a little bit. I'm looking here to see yeah, if we well, can I'm, I'm, I was looking ahead find to 44. Else. I think it's, it's probably might not have to read through it all again because we've already read through a lot and it's kind of similar the way it's written and everything um before before i get into that did you want to add anything to what we just read though i was just going to say that i'm not sure if joseph if his intentions with not revealing himself were maybe to make it a little bit more um i think it was probably more satisfying for him to like serve them allow them to feel like the appreciation and all that and then let them know that you know that he was their brother Mm -hmm. because i also feel like if he told them from the beginning that he's their brother yes they'd be like so thankful and everything but i think it just adds that much more emphasis when you know you go through the entirety of you know redemption and you're you're being given gifts and you're being taken care of in this palace you know washing their feet giving their donkeys food and they still think it's not even coming from anybody except this Egyptian man who's controlling the food, like they were probably bewildered wondering what the heck is going on at this point. Like, why is this guy treating us with such respect? Mm. And I don't know. I I don't know if Joseph did it for like a storyline type thing or like almost like a, (laughs) it's kind of stupid to say, but like a, like a climax in the story, like it comes to a, a boiling point, you know, just to have emphasis. But I feel like that might have been the case here. Maybe God designed it that way to, to have a very compelling story. Well, and I think the the boiling point's actually kind that. of reached in the na- next chapter, so if you want to get into talking about that, we can. Yeah, I mean, I'm open to yeah. that. We're we're still pretty good on time, so do you want to read 44 a little bit? Yeah, um, I think it's, it's better to kind of skim it and just kind of say what's happening. In the first two verses, he basically he he's sending them back to to canaan and he said fill fill their sacks with as much food as they can carry and put silver back in the sack um and then he says put the put my cup the silver one in the mouth of the youngest one sack along with the silver for his grain so again he's kind of he's kind of set, setting his brothers his own brothers up here um so they had they had gone on their way they weren't far from the city when joseph said to go after them and he commanded the steward to say to them, "Why have you repaid evil with good with evil? Isn't this the cup the master drinks from and also uses to, for divination? This is a wicked thing you have done." So he catches the steward catches up to the brothers, um, and when he tells them these things, they the brothers say, "Why why does my lord say such things? Far be it from your servants to do anything like that." So, and then they're just kind, of, and then they say, if any of your servants is found to have it, the the silver cup, he will die, and the rest of us will become my more, my lord's slaves. So then the steward says, let it be as you say. Whoever has found it will become Joseph's slave. The rest of you will be free from blame. Free from blame. And so then, it revealed that it was in Benjamin's sack, and at this, the brothers tore their clothes. So again, here's a little bit of kind of redemption for the brothers. There, you know. If it was Joseph in this situation, I imagine they wouldn't, you know, back, like like we talked about, I think you said, like 20 years passed from when Joseph was originally sold. So 20 years ago, they they probably wouldn't care. They'd be like, oh, he's he's disposable. We don't yeah, like it's, him it's, anyways. It's, uh, I think it's 22 years to be exact, okay. I think. So yeah, 22 years earlier, they but, probably wouldn't have this remorse that they have for, for Benjamin. Right. Um and just to, to add a little bit there in the end, so 44, at the beginning of 44, um, 
it says you know he joseph commanded to fill their sacks with as much food as and as much as they can carry um and money as well and you know put the cup so i think um that that is really the crux of of the story here um like there's more details we get we could get into um 45 you know that's when joseph reveals himself to them and you know if you just look further ahead here there's so much more to the story you know bringing his family to egypt reuniting joseph with jacob which i would encourage everybody to read it you know read that story but for the purpose of focus and time and, and applicable lessons from this story I think it's important to focus on this aspect of the story. Mm-hmm. And the aspect that stood out to me from these readings is forgiveness and humility. Yep. Because the power of the betrayal that this man experienced, I don't think many people would ever experience in their entire life. I mean, maybe second to Jesus, because mm-hmm. Jesus obviously experienced the ultimate betrayal from, from Judas. Yeah. Um, you know, somebody who, who called himself one of his disciples and um, sold him to, to his death. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the ultimate betrayal to your death, which his brothers here almost did. <laughs> did not ultimately sell him into it. They they almost did, but they didn't fully, you know, want to kill him. Reuben ended up stepping in, saying, "No, we're not going to kill him." Um, but the amount of forgiveness and humility that it takes to do do this type of thing is incredible. Mm-hmm. And um, I just want to read just a very small part of forty five here. Um, 45 verse 3 and Joseph said to his brothers I am Joseph is my father still alive but his brothers could not answer him for they were dismayed at his presence I thought it was interesting that word dismayed Mm. because why would they be dismayed when he revealed himself it's almost like they were um, ashamed or or scared that you know that they had to face their brother because they were probably fearful that you know that he would hate them or have revenge or have hate in his heart for them and up to that point, you know, we talked about the fact that Joseph served them and, and treated them like kings before revealing them, himself to them. You you have to think in that moment when he revealed himself, when they were dismayed, um, that they thought there was a possibility that he had maybe done all that just to get to this point that he's going to reveal himself and maybe do something bad to them. You know what right. I mean? You just don't know. Well, I just thought also, that was you see significant, the, the, the desperation, fact that they You see the desperation that they have in 44, too. Um where, you know, where Joseph's accusing them of stealing his, his cup and, you know, Judah is desperately saying, how can we prove our innocence? And so that that kind of also shows the, the desperation that they had. Right. And, you know, it's maybe you could say it's not as meaningful when, you know, try to try to seek forgiveness when you um, are treated like that. And after the deed has been done and after Joseph went through everything he went through in Egypt, like now you want to be forgiven? Like why, you know, why couldn't you guys do it back then? But I think that's a lesson we can all apply in our lives because I think this is a story of really it's betrayal. I mean, it's betrayal by your own brothers. And I know in my life, um, whether it's, you know, you feel like it's your own brother or your friends or whoever the case may be. You know, we're always going to experience things in our lives that when people do us wrong, we feel like kind of like Joseph did at the beginning there where he was kind of like, you know, taunting them a little bit and like getting some justice in. But I think maybe that was a part of the story as well because God is showing us like, yes, this is the temptation. You know, you want to exert your own sense of justice. But I think it shows here that Joseph had some restraint and, you know, because his faith was so strong, his his servant knew um about his faith and how important it was to him. If our faith is that strong, then we too can restrain, Mm. you know, in these situations. And I think the power of the story is that none of us probably will experience being sold into slavery by our own family. I'd really highly doubt it. So not minimizing what we go through in our own lives here on this earth in 2022. But I think the lesson here is that we do not have the right to exert our own justice or revenge on others but that when one betrays us, that we forgive them wholeheartedly. And not only did Joseph forgive them, but he blessed them. He gave them food. He gave them extra food. He gave them care, royalty. He gave them money. Um, and I just think that is the the very core of the story is that we can apply to our lives the humility and forgiveness in Joseph's heart. And it really hits home, obviously, with me because my name is Joseph. But um, 
you know, that's truly what I aspire to do in my life every single day. So I don't know if there's anything else. Did you take anything else from this story or would you kind of agree with that assessment of the lessons from what we read today? I I would agree with that for sure. I think my, my takeaway from it is, um, what Joseph then says in verses four through 11, if it's all right, I'm going to go ahead and read those. Um, then Joseph, no, you're not. No, that's not okay. We're just, <laughs> we're, we're cutting, cutting it there. there. All right. Talk, <laughs> thank you all for listening to this latest episode of the podcast. It'll be available <laughs> on Spotify, Apple podcast. Give it a like. <laughs> <laughs> and with that signing off. <laughs> oh my gosh. That was hilarious. That was good. go ahead bro so then joseph said to his brothers come close to me when they had done so he said i am your brother joseph the one you sold into egypt and now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that god sent me ahead of you for two years now there has been famine in the land and for the next five years there will be no plowing and reaping but god sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made you lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me. You, your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds and all you have. I will provide for you there because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. So for me, my takeaway from this whole story is that even if bad things happen to us, you know, like, like you were talking about, even if you're betrayed or even just as simple, not just, I don't want to minimize it, but let down by somebody that is close to you, even through all of that, and as tough as it can be to see it in the moment, like we, we didn't read through these chapters, but I imagine it was pretty tough for Joseph to see God's plan in it while he was sitting in a dungeon in Egypt for being accused of assaulting Potiphar's wife really is what happened in that story because Joseph didn't because Joseph didn't have have sex with her she accused him of of assaulting her and so Joseph was then thrown in prison for that so i imagine those moments it was very very difficult to see god's plan in all of this but in the end god's plan here was to provide for Joseph and his family even for his brothers who who abandoned him, sold him into slavery, and almost killed him, really. And so I think that's that's my takeaway from this, from the story of Joseph, is that, you know, every situation is happens in God's plan, and there's, you know, whether it's in this life, but it, honestly, it isn't always that case, whether it's in this life or in heaven, there is a, you know, a happy ending at the end of it. Amen. And I think some of the the most challenging things I've experienced in my life, um, it's really crazy, but this is, this actually works. And this is the reason that God gives us the power of our faith and the Holy Spirit in our lives. In your lowest moments as a Christian, this is what I was actually talking about with my life group this week as well, is that the difference between the comfort and the peace that the world offers and the peace that God offers is that everything in this world Worldly peace comes from, it depends on an earthly outcome. It depends on, you know, money, depends on sex, depends on drugs, depends on these outcomes on earth. But as Christians, we have the peace and understanding that anything can happen on this earth and we still have God. Right. And that peace really transcends everything. So if you're going through a tough time or adversity like Joseph, I think the reason he was able to transcend that is the same reason we're able to today. Hmm. And it's something I've experienced in my life. When somebody lets you down or you experience something very difficult or adversity or something like that, even just saying out loud, God, I don't understand why this is happening, but I know you're greater. I know that your will is going to be done regardless, and I trust you. Just understanding that, it, that statement and just saying that and believing it full, wholeheartedly is more than anybody else has on this earth that's not saved. Mm-hmm. And it's so powerful. And it, it literally will give you strength. I mean, and it may not, like you said, it may not feel like it in the mm-hmm. moment, but just having that understanding is, is incredible. And I would agree. I mean, I would agree. There's many lessons in every story in the Bible, but um, you know, whether it's overcoming adversity or, or humility and forgiving others, I think this is a great um, section of scripture and a little bit heavier on the reading, but I think sometimes it's good to have, you know, the word in there and allow the, you know, our listeners to, to get their daily dose of the word. Well, yeah. And it's important to be in there every single on day. On that point too, it's because 
at the end of the day, it's it's not about what we have, what our interpretations are of this scripture. It's it's about what's in there and what the material is. And I feel like oftentimes, really, probably since it was written originally, people are always trying to put their own spin on what's written in the Bible. But really, at its core, we should read the Bible for what it is, for you know, for what it says, and not think about oh, you know. This this is what it means to, to to me or what it means to this person. It's it's about what's what's in the scripture and what what was written because that's God breathed, inspired by God. And so, I think that's also an important thing to note is just the the perfection of the word without us having to put our interpretations on it. Right, letting it speak for yep. itself, you know, extracting from it the lessons that it, it presents to us. Um, exactly. But yeah, I think that's about it for the podcast. We we I think this is a great conversation. I would encourage everybody to go read that story on your own. There's so much we couldn't even touch mm-hmm. on, to be honest with you, just because of time limits. I knew it was going to take up time. And if you look, Peter, we're actually close to an hour yep. already. So I knew this was going to be a time challenge, but um, I think we did a decent job at you know constraining it while also giving some background and details of the story. Yeah. Um, so is there anything else you want to add before I... I'm going to go ahead and pray and take us out of here. Yeah, I I would just encourage everybody. I think what the full, I mean, if you really want to start with the full background, you can go all the way back to Genesis 1 and, you know, go back to how it all started. But the story of Joseph, I think if you want understanding, I mean, I would suggest reading the story about Abraham and Isaac and, and even Jacob. So that probably starts in like all the way back in like Genesis 10 or something like that. But I would encourage you if you have some time or just divide it up over the next week or a couple of weeks, whatever works for you, I would encourage you to to read through this story. It's really, I think chapters, just Joseph would be chapters like maybe some in 36, but definitely 37 through 45. And then there's, I think, and maybe even all the way through like the final chapter of Genesis in 50. But to, to boil that down, I would just say, I would encourage listeners to, um, go ahead and read read through this again if it's if it's easier for you break it up and read it over you know a week or even a couple of weeks because there's there's a lot like like joe was saying that we didn't even touch on so that's that's my kind of i guess challenge for listeners yeah and i'm i think i'm a little bit biased here but i i I do genuinely think joseph is one of my favorite stories in the Mm -hmm. bible like irregardless of the name involved (laughs) The story's beautiful. Yeah. Everything going into it. Well, and it's, it seems like um, and it, and there's like, so many themes in it. Like, I, I'm just thinking of, like... Yeah. Like, Abraham was kind of just... I don't want to say just, but I feel like the, the stories of, like, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob were maybe, like, one theme. And I feel like there's so many in Joseph. In Joseph's story. Right. I mean, just here in, what, three-ish chapters... Mm-hmm. We took three major lessons from those chapters, and we didn't even talk so, about the the one yeah, about temptation I, or just while he was dealing with the adversity no. being being in prison. I mean, it's it's crazy. Yeah, or even having a ruler, you know, interacting, having a ruler ruler over you that has a different ideology. Mm-hmm. The challenge of that, you know, Joseph balancing his faith and you know living in Egypt, which was not really friendly to Jews. Yeah, well, so, and they didn't worship um, the same god either, yeah. so. Right. And that that's one of the cool stories too. I, I always found that very interesting when I was a child was, you know, the f- like Pharaoh's mm. um, just almost like, I, I don't know, I guess favor or like just gentleness toward Joseph. I always thought that was really cool, even though he, you know, was like, as you're saying, different, believed in different things and everything like that. He still saw and Joseph, I think what he saw was the light, the light of that's God. That's what I was about and, to say. Yep. You know the gentleness that that brings. Yep. Hit it, hit it right, on, nail on that so, right on the head, right there. Yep. And very, very last point before I pray is that uh, I think this lesson can, lesson can be applied. We're coming into the season, you know, fall season. Uh, I think you know it's going to take some some humility when Ohio State loses again in November to the team up north. To a team that can't even figure out who their starting um, quarterback is. Hopefully. Peter will have uh, be able to forgive me when I call him after that game on that day. I don't know if we might actually be watching it in person. Who knows? We'll see. But um, 
yeah, we'll, we'll see about that. But yeah, it's, it's a good lesson to take into the football season if you're an Ohio State fan. So I would encourage everybody to go in there, just prepare yourself. Um, yeah. So anything else, Peter? No, I mean, on the college football note, I am very, I'm very excited <laughs> for, for week one coming up here. Ohio State-Notre Dame is a top five matchup in the shoe. I really wish I could get back to Columbus for that one, but... I'll be I'll be watching it from here. "Quote unquote top 5. Do you really believe Notre Dame is top 5, bro? They probably no don't way. deserve it, but they are in the rankings, so that's that's what it is. <laughs> that's that is purely a ratings thing. That that ranking at 5, purely ratings. Yeah. I'm sorry. I mean, there, I would say Notre Dame is a top 10-ish team, maybe top 12, but 5? Yeah. Uh, their their record is uh, is is top 5, but look at their schedule and it's from like like their schedule from last year and they probably didn't earn it, and I. Yeah, and we. That's a whole another debate about. We know Notre Dame, they, they tend to choke the big game. Oh yeah. So. Almost everyone. We'll see if that trend continues. I would assume it would, but. All right. Any other games? All right. Well, I'm gonna go ahead and pray and take us out of yeah. here. Uh, what? Sorry. I was just say? gonna say, uh, any other games you have your eye on for for this opening weekend? Oh, of course, Michigan. Yeah. Michigan versus Colorado State. <laughs> Interesting quarterback situation. Yeah. Actually, really, I, I some people are hating on the decision. I actually like the idea that Harbaugh put out to, to um, play one one week, play the other the next week, make a decision by game three. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, very interesting. Isn't there Georgia? Who's Georgia play this Oregon. week? Oregon. Big game, Georgia, right? Oregon in Atlanta. Yeah, Georgia, Oregon. Yep, that's a huge game. I'll probably be tuning into that for yep. sure. Cincinnati, Arkansas um, oh, is a little yeah. so, under underrated. I think neither one of those teams are going to be great, but they're kind of. I feel like that'll be a pretty even matchup. It might make for a really good game to watch. I think Cincinnati is probably going to have a fall off this and year. I think for sure, yeah. what they were last year. But Arkansas's on on the up on the up right now. They finished eight and four last year, which is crazy considering when they were finishing, you know, zero and eight in the SEC. Yeah, that was crazy. Arkansas has been pretty good, though. I mean, generally speaking, in the, in the last twenty years, I mean, they've been up there. I've seen them top ten a few yeah, times. Yeah, they but, oh, they played uh, they my, played the Buckeyes s- in the Sugar Bowl in a game that technically the Buckeyes didn't win because it's been vacated, which is another. That's something I really that really yeah, annoys I mean, cause me because Ohio like Ohio State, they just they can't tend to hold their stuff together morally. <laughs> it's just a bad school, like morally. Yeah, so because they got that. tattoos. Um, I don't think that's the one to go I mean, after. Urban Meyer in his own restaurant touching a, a girl's booty when he's married with kids. I mean, eh. I'm sure I could find things <laughs> from Michigan Michigan players that have done the same thing. Oh, definitely not, bro. Definitely <laughs> not on Harbaugh. Okay. No way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, you ain't got nothing, bro. Meyer wasn't <laughs> even the coach of the Buckeyes when that happened, though. So... I know, I know, but it's still Ohio State. Hey, you could also say Florida. He, you could also say Florida, to too. State what about Florida? Everybody forgets that he coached at Florida. Sure. Sure, I'll give you Florida. <laughs> it doesn't take away from Ohio State. Okay. <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see how this, how this discussion just, goes in end, the end of November. Go blue. O-H. Go blue. Let's go. I'm hype. No, <laughs> but hey, Saturday slate, Michigan, Oregon, Georgia, Ohio State, Notre Dame. Yep. Looking much, much forward to it. I can't believe it's six days I know. away, to be honest. Did you watch you. any of the games this, this Saturday, yesterday? Uh, I saw highlights from uh, the choke school in Nebraska, <laughs> choking again, like always. Yeah. But uh, if it, not too, people, too much. People around here this week are going to be really down in the dumps. Because <laughs> mm, you got to remember, okay, I'm basically, ask, it's, it's like it's like when I was like being in Ohio, like like you would understand after after Ohio State lost to Michigan this year, you know, everybody was just kind of kind of down after that, <laughs> which I'm sure you were you were more than okay with. <laughs> I was all right with it. I mean, I wasn't complaining. Yeah. <laughs> I do have to ask you, though, before we get off here, uh, if Ohio State does lose, what are you going to do, bro? To Michigan or to Notre Dame this week? To Notre Dame, if you all lose week one. That might be the. I'll, I'll always care because they're so it's kind of deeply rooted in me at this point. But if they lose that one, it might make me a little bit less interested in them overall. 
I, I'm just going to say right now, if Ohio State loses to Notre Dame and they lose to Michigan, Ryan Day's gone. Yeah. He's either taking an, an NFL job or he's going to get run out of Columbus because 10-2 is not cutting it for Ohio State no. standards, as ridiculous as that sounds. <laughs> Back-to-back seasons, Because many schools would love to be 10-2. and two. Right. But anyways, we're kind of rabbit trailing. I probably should pray and get us out of here. It was a really good episode focused on scripture. So let me pray and take us out. Dear Lord, thank you for uh, this discussion today, diving into Genesis 37 and 41 and 42. Lord, I pray that this message would speak to somebody today. I pray that everybody listening to this podcast be blessed from what we were talking about, Lord, with the challenge of betrayal and the challenge of overcoming adversity and even heartbreak lord joseph was weeping many times with his brothers just pray that lord if we have any other any brothers in our lives lord whether that be our friends or family or co-workers lord that we experience betrayal god i pray that we would be given the same sort of humility that um, you gave joseph to forgive others even when put in a, in a very very powerful position lord uh, if we we're in that position god i pray we'd, we'd have the same humility and forgiveness that joseph expressed in his time and just pray that you'd give us strength as we go through this world, Lord. Life is not, not always easy, Lord, but, um, you, you know, you bless those, Lord, who, who pursue you and seek you, Lord. And I just pray everybody that listens to this today will be blessed from it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So that's about it for episode 20. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you like and rate the podcast on whichever platform you're listening it to, listening to it on. And with that being said, we will see you next week. Peace out. Peace.